Hey you. Yes, I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast, made in association with Wave Motion Canon. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you can support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, Twitter, and sometimes the Wave Motion Cannon YouTube page. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at waterwaydeshow at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Stream of Thought here on Wari Desho. Um... We're back after a mild hiatus. Uh, things have been complicated uh, recently, and you can blame me entirely for that. Um, but we're back. We're back, and we're back to talk about MMO Junkie again. And this time it's episode nine. And with me today in the digital studio that is our Discord channel. Thank you very much, Discord. Uh, I have with me uh, the subtle doctor. Uh, can I get some some candy over here, studio interns? How about some coffee? And when you bring the candy dish, only blue M and M's, please. Thank you. Well, uh, I, I, that's not a you know a difficult or overly obnoxious graphic that can be handled. You know, I mean to be fair, like when I eat, you know when I eat fruit gums, I'm always after the black ones. The black ones are the best. So I I, I appreciate your pickiness there. Where are my groupies? This studio sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, MMO Junkie, um, at the time of us actually recording this, it has now concluded. So. We're actually now going so, to be... So to speak, right? So to speak. Probably not in the hearts and minds of a lot of people. And there is apparently a special episode 11 coming out, which we will include on this uh, on the stream. But episode 9 is where we're picking up after where we left off. Uh, so last time on Evo Junkie, Marioka finally got the truth out. She learned everything. Uh, she mm-hmm. learned that Sakurai is really like... The whole, the whole puzzle is complete now. Every single piece is in place. Uh, but that's not where the episode opens. The episode opens with... Hmm. <laughs> one of my favourite tropes in anime. Yeah. I saw this I, I saw this at the end of uh, episode 8 when it had the next episode preview. And I was like, Ooh. oh, oh, here Hello. we go. Okay. Okay. Fine. I mean, here on Warrior Death Show, we, of course, do advocate using showers for things like, you know, having cold ones while you're in there. Yes. Absolutely. But I also do advocate that be used responsibly when you're racing, much in the same way you know about you know drinking responsibly or you know doing parkour responsibly. I mean, <laughs> you can only end up injuring yourself if you if you don't do it right. And dare I say it, I think the show does injure itself a little bit with this one. And it's not for the reasons you might think. Like I'm, I mean, Lord knows I banged the you know fan service drum hard enough over the years on this show, like. And I've been like, you know, wearing, you know, coming out outside the offices of anime studios with pitchforks and torches saying, don't, no unnecessary fan service, you twats. Uh, but that's not why I'm doing this uh, in this particular instance. And I'll explain. 
So, uh, the person who's in the shower is actually Marioka, and she's in Sakurai's shower. Would you believe? I actually like, on one hand, I do like this, because this is one of those, like, op cold openers in a hot shower, ironically, where you're like, wait, how did this happen? In, in fact, Marioka even says that, like, in her own head. She's like, how did I get here? And I was thinking, yeah, how did you get here? Um, here's the problem I have with this. And I think this is maybe something I'll have to go into more detail later or become more evident when we discuss a very significant part of... In fact, probably one of the most significant parts of the entire show that crops up in this episode. But Marioka is very anxious. She has very low self-esteem. She's very shy. She Understatements of the yeah, year. Yeah, she has a number of... I would argue mental health issues. I, I think that that's probably the way I would describe it. How on earth she plucked the courage to get undressed and get in Sakurai's shower is beyond me. That's what I find most incredible. Like, I can get the show doing qu the coincidence thing, and by God, the coincidences don't stop until the very end. There's that, and then there's just characters acting in ways that I cannot absolutely fathom. Like, I literally cannot even imagine her taking her socks off in Sakurai's apartment for fear of dirtying the carpet. So, I just couldn't fathom how this happened, and a million lint rollers. I'm surprised he isn't dual wielding them. <laughs> like, like honestly, like this is it would be like some Wolfenstein: The New Order shit right there. She she's like a like a Splatoon character. <laughs> You're right, actually. <laughs> I, I Mario would play Splatoon. Actually, I reckon she would. I think she would own. I reckon she would be a dab and it. But that's my point, though. Like I. I just can't fathom how this happened. And then, of course, when I start thinking, okay, why is this scene here? Now, on the one hand, we've got the old fan service drum, which I don't think is necessarily true. Because this show's not... I don't I don't either. I don't, this show's not about that. It's had more enough opportunities to pull that kind of shit, and it doesn't, to be honest. I mean, it would admittedly be a bit disingenuous and a bit shit if it did that, given uh, Morioka's own self-image issues that, you know, it gives us the chance, you know, like, how should we say objectifier? That would that would be really, really wrong in my opinion. But I don't think that's the case at all. I'm just offering the alternative of how it could, how it how it could have been so much worse. But to me, it it exists to manufacture a comedy comedy element, which is that she's in there having a shower for reasons that'll become clear later, and she's utterly petrified of like being in there. And Sakurai, being the gentleman that he is, is like himself, like incredibly you know, timid about the whole thing. In fact, do you know what this reminds me of that I've just recently watched, funnily enough? What's that? Well, it would, of course, be your favourite show, Monogatari. Oh. Mm. Now, yeah, yes. now there was a shower scene in that one, and it plays out, uh, in some respects, very similarly. Specifically, specifically the first season of Bakemonogatari. Yeah, because you know. We should, we should be clear, because... Um... There are other quite infamous shower scenes ah, throughout that show. <laughs> right. I oh, man. So it's a chocolate box of shower scenes. You've got one that's like, you know, caramel. It is. <laughs> one that's caramel, one that's like, you know, hazelnut and all that shit. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. the One, one that's uh, lesbian flavored. Well, that does not surprise me in the slicest. The thing is, the scene I'm referring to, by the way, to clarify in Bodagastri is, of course, the one between Araragi and uh, Sedrugahara. Did I pronounce those correctly? Yeah. Of course, absolutely. Yes. Crushed yes. it. Yes. I mean, I wasn't so worried about Araragi's name because usually I just, as a joke, will go Araragi. Or, um, which makes you sound like Scrappy Doo, actually, so I should probably stop that. Um, but Sedra Gahara's name is, 
Ooh, that's 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 a tongue twister. It is. That's why it's so often I just called her Hitagi for for a while until I got the hang of saying Sinjogahara. Well, there you go. So. It, the thing is, in that scene, right, I mean, you've actually written an article on this very subject, so I feel like literally just stopping talking right here and let you take over to explain it. Uh, but we want to keep this on topic for MMO-related stuff. So, but in that scene, the, the whole idea, of course, was that the sexuality was relevant to what was going on. And, of course, the character motivations and the way they acted were different. I mean, Sandra Gahara is, like, basically on the extreme opposite end of the scale of how she behaves and sees herself in somewhat... Versus Morioka, certainly when it comes to the confidence part. Yeah. That I think is sure. I mean, admittedly, they also have different choices of weapons. Hers is like, you know, scissors, and, <laughs> and Morioka's is, of course, the infamous limp roller. Perhaps like a perhaps like a wired mouse is her secondary weapon. What, like, like using it like a ball and chain mace, like a yep. flail? Yep. <laughs> yes. Exactly what I was thinking. Nice, nice. But um, in that scene in Monogatari, I totally got why it was there. And yeah, you can write about the fan service and all that. And again, I'm not bothered about that. But it had a narrative point in there that existed purely beyond just us having a good chuckle at how inept Zaragi is at handling anything, to be quite honest. <laughs> um, yeah. But in this one, I'm just like, okay, it just exists so we can have a good Twitter at like, you know, oh, he's awkward and she's awkward. And I'm like, can we not do better than that? Can we not... like? The justification for this happening in the first place is really weak, and on top of that, as I've said, I cannot fathom Mario even plucking up the courage to, like, take her hairband off, never mind anything else. So, I don't know. Do you think that it is might be there to underscore the vulnerability uh... and the, the intimacy of the scene in Sakurai's house? Like, just, you know, it's, it's a very... Um, obvious way to do it but um but that's i guess that's what i thought about and then um and it's just you know tied in as a consequence of some other stuff that happened before like the um you know them getting caught in the rain and kind of it's just a part of a web of like how they are how how the writers seem to be bringing them together and then kicking the can down the road and then bringing them together and then kicking the can down the road backing into a corner basically I would agree with that sentiment if that's how Morioka expressed how she felt. Like, her expression was, what am I doing here, as opposed to, like, what if Sakurai sees me? Like, she doesn't say any of that. Which is odd, given what we find out later about how anxious she is about how people view her. I don't know, the thing ran a little... I get, I totally get, and I totally appreciate it as a cold opener, like, because you're immediately thinking, how the fuck did that happen? And admittedly, I don't still have an answer to that question, but at least it kept me interested. <laughs> so, and some sometimes I think, especially for a more passive person like Morioka, like she can get swept along in in what's going on. I know I've experienced this in my in my own life. You know, mm-hmm. like something will happen, and then that'll be like a domino for other things happening, and then I'll kind of blink and be like where am I? Like, what What all sort of happened? Like, what choices did I make? Like, I was just kind of going along with things and, and ended up... So, like, um, you know, she's in a kind of emotionally vulnerable state when it starts raining later on in the episode, and mm. spoilers, that's, that's how she ends up in his apartment, is he offers to dry her clothes and stuff, and 
I think she's just kind of like uh, dragged along by that uh, inertia and also like standing in the rain with wet clothes like those kind of inconveniences maybe can push people to to act in ways that they normally wouldn't mm. um you know see see her stomach and all the th- all the things that result from her stomach growling like conversations she wouldn't normally start and everything so that's true the stomach has more relevance than that though um it actually has something else to do with that beyond just simply being a thing that triggers an action Whereas that's what this feels like is to me. It's a, it's another thing that just triggers something to happen as opposed to in itself having meaning. I mean, I understand the vulnerability mm. angle, but again, like I can't fathom how she even got in that in the first, would allow that to happen in the first place. And two, she doesn't relay that sense in at least in the inner narrative to us. She's like, how did I get here? And then it's just Sakurai's yelling like, I've got you some clothes. And she's like, ah! And so that's... you've never you've never experienced that where where you like I, I I don't know maybe maybe my own passivity is just maybe I can identify with with that like I I feel like I've had that happen to me before where I have thought what has the night become like where are we now like not that there was anything particularly dangerous or whatever but I'm just like man this is not where we started how did we end up here and just because uh, I just got pulled into like the impetus and inertia of others and their their actions, the group I was part of got kind of got pulled along. And oh, you I'm, know. yeah, oh, I'm not I'm not doubting that it happened, um, but I, I don't know. I just think that I find it a bit difficult to swallow that for someone who's so anxious and introverted uh, as Marioka is, and so like concerned like and shy that like if sakurai said to her oh yeah if you if you you know if you're a bit cold you can go take a shower in my apartment in in his apartment don't forget Mm -hmm. like i think her reaction would be to faint or just to maybe maybe what led up to it like was was such that she was in a kind of different state of mind than normal. Mm. It seemed like she was in, in a day. In, she was in a daze, I suppose. That's yeah. that's like the one. That's the. I don't really have. I didn't think anyway. But when we get to talking, we get to talking. I don't. I didn't think I had a lot to say about this episode. But there's one scene in particular that happens bef- right before all this uh, that I thought was really, really well done and can totally sort of understand how she got taken to a different place and she wasn't really she was more lost in her own head and trapped in her own mental loops and tapes than really aware of yeah. what she was doing i suppose i, I but, yeah 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 that's that's a fair interpretation i would argue but i but i mean i i hear you as well like if it wasn't communicated well to you as a viewer and it seemed out of character i understand being thrown off <laughs> in this this episode it's certainly by far the least offensive shower scene i've seen all year thank you Rin, you piece of shit honestly halloween seems so long ago <laughs> but it will forever horrify my heart anyway oh. anyway uh so what happens is that of course 
when we come back after the intro, that was the cold open. And we pick up where we left off at the park with Marioka discussing with Sakurai. And she completely freaks out, of course, as the representations of Half and Lily and Sakurai all blend together in her head. And a really nice little animated moment, I think, does accurately represent what you'd, what you'd feel like when you find out you've met someone who's had, like, well, I wouldn't say multiple, no, multiple personas, shall we say. That, I think, would be the best way of describing it. And she freaks the hell out. Sakurai considers quitting through Demare because he's like, I've, I've, I've really fucked this up. And I'm like, no. This should be a glorious moment. Oh, this, boy. this should be a glorious, glorious moment in which you two can finally, finally be on the level with each other and just embrace each other's, like, you know, lo- love for this game, this common interest that you have. And it's like th- you said, like, it just makes it harder for them. Yeah, every single time they say something, like, or some detail gets revealed, it just seems to become more of a burden for them, which is pretty tragic, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marioka in the end says, like, that she still wants to, you know, be good um, online friends with him. And they eventually part ways. So... What they ultimately agree to do is that, like, Maroka sees Sakurai off and says, like, can you help me with this quest at some point next, like, soon? And he says, yeah, next weekend. Um, that next weekend comes and goes, and Lily is nary to be seen on through the mare, vanished into the mist. Um, I actually need to backtrack very slightly and mention something um, that I thought was really well done with the direction of this episode. So, mm-hmm. obviously, this show relies a lot on the inner monologue, and we get a lot of that between Sakurai and Marioka. Indeed, they're actually both later will be fine, sat on the bench thinking in their head mm-hmm. what they should be saying to each other out loud, which is kind of maddening, and also maddeningly parallels the whole group and, you know, party and local chat idea of MMOs, believe it or not. You know, that some things do need to be set out in the open. Would you, <laughs> would you believe? That's just literally hit me as well, Jesus Christ. Marioka's like, she's having an inner monologue to herself about how she found out about this and like how much Sakurai cares for her and you know how he came running after her um when she was you know drunk in the in the restaurant when she went on that date with Kowai mm-hmm. and what we then see is that she's looking at Sakurai but he's out of focus and in the distance and i thought mm-hmm. what a brilliant metaphor for how she feels about him right now in that she wants to reach out for him indeed we see her hand reaching out but he seems so very far away. And I'm like, that's that's pretty good. I like that. That's good use of, of visuals to it, express how she actually re- feels really. That she does, of course, want to just reach out and, you know, just, I don't know, give him a hug, shake his hand. Just, just you know. But I thought that was re- quite neat. And indeed, there's going to be another use of perspective later on um, in this episode that's also quite cool as well. Lily is nowhere to be seen. Marioka's now with uh, Poyo and Kambe doing a dungeon. And they're fighting another one of the Raticate monsters. Uh, I guess, you know, they're all that appear in, you know, from Pokemon, like the guest characters, I suppose. <laughs> Honestly, those rats are fucking everywhere. I mean, rodents, I mean, I know R-O-U-S's are like, you know, the in thing for RPGs, but they're like, you know, level 90 now. Let's move on to dragons or some shit, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know, I know. Clearly, yeah. Frudemir has a, uh, a pest problem. You better believe it. So, the thing I like about this, though, is that Maroka's, like, saying, 
that she she she's noticed that Lily has not been in, so Sakurai's not you know logged on for days at an end now, um, and hasn't of course logged on to help with her quest. And she says that she's enjoying uh, her MMO life still, but she feels lonely. So again, we're getting mm. what she says in person, which is, "I want to remain really good online friends with you," as opposed to what she really should have said, which is just. so scared of like being rejected so fucking scared of it even when the signs are just all over the place that they won't be they're afraid and also they're (laughs) they in the case of sakurai they get in their own way like morioka didn't reject him the first time she's never turned him down yeah but it's you know it's come to be sort of oral history that you know his overture after the hospital issue uh was rejected Mm. and that's really not the case that's just kind of how he interpreted things and you know partly due to morioka's own fear and lack of grasp of like i guess social kind of norms and communication and what's expected in between, you know, texts or whatever, people who yep who are digging on each other, but yeah, yeah, they just are going to get in their own way. So I, it's but, it hurts. <laughs> without without revealing too much about myself, I can safely say that what Sakurai has felt, I have felt exactly the same within the past month. And mm. God, does it suck! But that's a tale for a different time, and also to oh, someone. Boy. I have, yeah, when I was a kid, a similar. You know, obviously, it's not about MMOs or set in Japan or about 30-somethings, but a similar-ish story happened with me and uh, a good friend of mine who I thought would be something more. And apparently she also thought that, but because of a thing that happened, I interpreted uh, our situation as not romantic, as well, mm. she's not interested, even though she was, and it was not to be. Mm. But, but you know, I can't say I regret it because I have a wonderful wife and life now, so I'm quite happy. But, but I have been in those shoes as a as a 19 year old, uh, mm. and it's not fun. <laughs> it's not. It's not fun for anyone, man, woman, or whatever. So, hey, there you go. Uh, but the point I made was uh, perspective. So Maroka's playing through demerit this time with Poyo and. Um, Kanbei, and they find this boss. Now, your average MMO screen is typically something like this, if you can just imagine it. You've got your center, um, like, in the middle. Think of it like a cross sec- a cross shape, okay? Like a plus sign. Um, that's where all the action takes place. So your eyes are drawn to the center for where your character is and where the monsters you're fighting are, and you've got your situation awareness of behind and in front and left and right. Your bottom left is usually where your chat is, and your bottom right is usually where you have action bars and other stuff that like is relevant to you doing things. Top left is usually a player list. Top right is usually a map. So when you're generally fighting... I mean, speaking from experience here as a World of Warcraft raider from the uh, Wrath of Lich King era, when you're fighting a boss, you will, of course, absolutely 100% want to focus on the boss in question, because you will otherwise die very quickly. But what we actually see here is we firstly get a shot of Maroka playing the game, and we see the full screen, so we've got a full layout of what her 
what the game looks like, like where the action bars are, where the map is, where the boss is. But then we get Morioka's perspective, and all she's looking at during the entirety of this fight is the chat log on the bottom left that will tell her mm. if Lily logs in. Yeah. And again, I, li- I like that we have in the inner monologue from her that's telling her, telling us how she feels about being alone. And then the mm-hmm. then the show is, dare I bloody say it, showing us it through something that <laughs> parallels it. It's a nice little touch, and I appreciate it. Like that, that's there's some great use of perspective in this episode, and I think it's certainly worth mentioning. But Marioka's not the only one in the slump. In the same restaurant that they were in previously, which I think you know they must have a loyalty card or something out to be there <laughs> so often. Uh, we find uh, Sakurai and everyone's favorite, you know, town jester Kowai. And he's back. He's back. And poor Sakurai has decided that he's going to, you know, drink his way through the, you know, the problem that he's got in front of him. Uh, to no effects. Again, speaking of experience, that doesn't solve shit. Uh, but he's he's there, miserable and dejected. And Kowai, of course, is like completely, you know, jovial. He's having a great time at this and. He probes and prods Sakurai about what's happened, and because Kowai might be pissed out of his face, but not an idiot, he, of course, puts two and two together and figures out what's going on. Um, specifically, that Sakurai states that he's been rejected. Now, that's what he thinks. We, of course, as the audience, and Kowai, to be fair, know differently, but that's not the case at all. So, Kowai decides he's going to, you know, intervene once more. Because Lord knows he's like you know not had enough fun trying to push these two together. Yeah, and what a meddlesome, meddlesome man. <laughs> he is the chess master at this point, honestly. He is. Yeah. One day when you know those two fucking nerds have kids and shit, they're gonna talk about over the family album how they owe it all to Uncle Koiwai. and he's just like gonna burst in through or he say, "That's me." <laughs> <laughs> Because he would. He would be there like, oh, was someone talking about me? (laughs) Do you want to have a drink, kids? How about we do some gambling? Do you want me to show you a picture of your mother when I got a shit face and left her? (laughs) And you, oh, you think I'm joking. You think I'm joking. You do that. Just wait until later in the episode. Just you fucking wait. So, (laughs) so, so, okay. okay. What a jerk. Come back tomorrow because she gets a message from Kawhi. Then we have the break. Uh, I have to say, right, I don't know if we've ever really mentioned the breaks in great detail, but all of the still images that go with these are brilliant. Really, really lovely eye catches. They're, they're great art, but this one as well is he, is indicative of what's going on because the I think the... I might have this back to front, so I apologize if this is the case, but the pre-break uh, mm-hmm. art is Morioka mm-hmm. with Sakurai behind her facing in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And then you cut back and it's the it's Sakurai... Then Morioka's behind him, and she's facing away. Back turned, both cases. Lovely. And obviously, that's a metaphor for you know how they seem to be completely unable to get on the same train of thought, you know, the same CI to I. Not for any maliciousness, but just because you know they they've got such massive hangups that it just because this fucking existence called the humanity. It's like it's like perpetually <laughs> it's like perpetually being able to unplug it. Sorry, to plug a USB cable in the right way up. You're there just constantly trying it, trying to plug it in. It doesn't fucking work no matter how I try. Even though it should be the simplest thing ever. It's just, that's just how it is. It's a metaphor for life. Yeah, thank you, USB. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Honestly, the amount, of time, the amount of dicking around I've had to do plugging in DS4 controllers to play Guilty Year. Just a fucking nightmare. 
Anyway, so Sakurai wakes up and he's been left a note by Koiwai saying that he, you know, carried him in like a fucking princess or something. Uh, and he says, meet me at the park later. Now, if you, of course, have been following along with the fact that Koiwai contacted Mario before, you can probably guess what's going to happen next. Because fucking wannabe hitchman here decides, you know what? I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell Morioka, okay, I'm going to be at the park. Why don't we catch up? And he's going to say to Sakurai, I'm going to be at the park. Why don't we catch up? But then, of course... The shittiest Cupid ever. It's fucking useless. Like, I I, I mean, Kowai, good intentioned as he is, should recognize that these guys simply both need to be in the same room as him, and he needs to give them both a stern talking to. Yeah, he needs to, like... Grab Sakurai's lips and make them move with you. He's a puppeteering. I really like you. Do you like me? <laughs> Let's go on a date. And then grab Morioka's lips. And be like, yes, I really like you. Can we please go on a date? <laughs> I want to see that animated. I want to see that fucking animated. Oh, shit. I mean, they'd probably like spontaneously combust yeah or like jump in a river or something but that's what needs to no, it's, it's gonna be like when papyrus leaps out of the uh of undine's window <laughs> that's Sakurai right there he's gonna he's gonna go sideways out of that window like he's been shot out of a fucking cannon <laughs> anyway 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 christ a lot uh, that's one of the best moments in gaming history when he jumps out that that's window Holy spectacular shit. i was I had to pause it. I was, I was, I had tears in my eyes. It was, it was <laughs> such great comedy. Anyway, <clears throat> so uh, moving away from uh, Game of the Year 2015 uh, to not quite Anime of the Year 2017. Sorry, that's a spoiler for next episode. <laughs> but it doesn't quite do it. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> so of course the pair of them, you know, bump into each other in the park. Uh, they have a very funny moment in which they just like look at each other, like. <gasps> And they come to, and they of course realize what like they never actually openly discuss it after the fact though even though you'd think that no. that would like you know prompt them to make you know say why is Kowai doing this and then they'd be going maybe he thinks there's something between us and I, I don't know I'm not going to criticize the show about it because Lord knows these guys have enough trouble talking about anything Kowai of course is watching this from a bridge across the way uh, across the pond and I love this moment because. I honestly felt like I could x-ray the show's scripts at this point just to see the intent of the writer because Kowai says something to the effects of my work here is done. I I, I will leave these... And I'm like... <laughs> and I'm like, Kowai, maybe you're not such a bad person after all. And then... And then... And then. In a way that I almost feel like was written to remind you that he's just a little bit of a scumbag... And a dirt and a mm-hmm. fucking weasel. He just pulls out his phone. He's still got the picture of Marioka from when she was asleep in the restaurant. And he's like, "Wouldn't it be funny if I embarrassed her by showing you this again at some point?" And I'm like, "God damn it, Cole! Why you almost exited the show on a high note?" Okay, to be fair, he does next episode at least a higher note. But like, god damn it, he was doing okay. He was getting there. I was like, you've nearly made it through this episode without me thinking you're an absolute cockstain. But you've <laughs> you've done it now. <laughs> so, uh, Marioka and Sakurai have a more in-depth conversation. Um, about... A cockstain. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was a great insult. <laughs> I, I, I mixed... I mix my words together to create this kind of stuff. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like a slap artist just with verbs and nouns and shit. Uh, but anyway, so Marioka and Sakurai have a more in-depth conversation. This leads into um, what I think is one of the most important moments in the show, and yet also one of the most unimportant by the show's own show's own admission. I've seen this particular moment. Uh, on Twitter and in Discord's quite a fair bit as a highlight. Uh, and when I say highlight, I mean, I'm not ascribing quality, I'm just saying it's something that people took significant note of. And I do think it's noteworthy for a number of reasons. Unfortunately, some of them are not related to the show itself, and this is where I have to get a bit more critical again, even though I really don't want to. So, Marioka starts saying that she's, like, got numerous issues with herself. like she, And then we have this kind of, like, cartoon of like all these little thought bubbles of various colors popping up on screen uh which sakurai <clears throat> can see somehow it it's, it doesn't matter like, i think she, i think it's just meant to be a visual representation of what she says in very quick yeah. succession um i in my own head canon call this the wall and i think a lot of people have their own wall of like you know here's things i don't like about myself i know i have uh, i've got uh, my wall's fucking Berlin Wall state right now, let's just put it that way, but like the Berlin Wall, I intend to drag it down. Different man, different day. Anyway, so <laughs> I actually have a screenshot of the wall here in Discord, and I'm going to start reading out some of the things and I should stress that Morioka thinks of about herself, and I'm going to pick some specific ones here. Failure. Alone. Mm. Sweatshirt feeling. Plain. Shut in. Clothes that don't fit. In her 30s. Stranger anxiety, zero femininity, late bloomer, bad at talking. Now then, that's only a selection of those, but a lot of these are really damning about, I'm not saying about her, but about what she thinks about herself and how she seems to take certain societal expectations as the things that she, tick boxes she does not tick in her head, and how it basically makes her worthless. I mean, being in her 30s and speak, and I know this is probably hypocritical given I, I mean, damn it, I wish this show had aired earlier this year so I could still claim it's in my 20s so that way people can't call me, well, you're just saying that to make yourself feel better. But being being <laughs> in your 30s is an utter irrelevance to your quality of your character. It is one of the most meaningless fucking attributes you can name. But she still feels that it is a slight against her. I can't even, like, I agree so much um but i i mean it's weird i've known people and do still know people that for whatever reason because they remain single after a certain age it's like all of a sudden a very bad thing i'm like wait a minute last month it was okay and it's like no it wasn't that it's like seems so arbitrary mm. people will find love when they find love mm. and that's you know that's that i mean i I guess you know society and family tend to put expectations on on you. Yeah, you know, but um, we haven't really seen a lot of that from Morioka. Like, uh, and we haven't seen anything about her family. So, nope. Uh, obviously, this is you know stuff that stuff that she's put on herself. I think from uh, from the society that she lives in. Yeah. You know, if if no one, if a man hasn't. Uh, 
picked you up by the time you're 30 like you're just gonna be a you know an old spinster that's how you'll that's how you'll go out and uh well god it's such a it's such a shame i wish like it wasn't such a such a thing in people's minds no because it's something that i find easy for me to say man who got married at the age of 22 but (laughs) i've always i've always found it like difficult to identify with Mm. Well, the thing is, like, some of these attributes are not even necessarily to do with, you know, being single or not. Like, stranger anxiety. But where, like, here's the crux, right? I'm just going to come out right now and say it. When this show started, and as the show's gone on, and as I've noted a couple of times in this particular cast series that we've done, I need more context on why this is happening. I think it's important for the narrative and important for the emotional resonance that we get more info. I mean, when we get a list as comp- as long as this, and yeah. as devastating as this, like some of them, some of them don't really matter. Like socks with holes, who cares? I have socks. <laughs> with, I have socks with holes, and I could not give less than a shit about them. I'll just wear one. They're not even gonna, people are not even going to see them. So who? Why does it matter? Whatever. But people, I guess maybe people expect women to be on point. You know, uh, but stranger anxiety. How did that happen to her? How did that happen? And then things like, you know, zero femininity. Like, have there been moments in the past, like, specific times when people have called her out for what they think of her having no femininity and she's taken that to heart? Well, I don't know if you even have to have a... Like, you're surrounded by images of femininity uh, everywhere, from magazines, television, media. Like, it's all around you what femininity... Like, what they're selling, what society is selling femininity to you as, and if you are other than that and you look different than that, then you're going to feel like you lack something. Oh, f- oh yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. But I think, bear in mind also, Morioka does indeed, there's a lot of stuff in the show, as we've mentioned a number of times about appearance, and that Morioka does value that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this ties into this and a point I'll make in the next episode about what the show definitely does succeed at. But I'm very sorry to say that, like, I absolutely understand and appreciate people who empathize and sympathize with Morrow because they themselves have this kind of wall that may even share some of the same attributes. But, and this is the big but for me. Tell me tell me about the big but. The big but, well, I do like my... You can't lie about it. I was going to make that... Fuck! God damn it, that's just a bad joke. Fuck, I was going to... That's a bad joke. No, I was going to make that joke. I was going to go all in on it. Fire me. Damn it, Doc. Oh, well, okay, if you want to take the bullet, that's fine. Um... But the big but is this, right? And much is the same as it happens with Morioka's work issues. All these things are brought up. And of course, the lesser stuff I can let slide. The bigger bullet points on this list, Morioka never once explains to Sakurai why she thinks... I'm not saying asking you to give an objective explanation. I'm asking you to... I'm asking for some reasoning on why she thinks the way she does. She just is what she is. Although she is the way she feels. And I think that, much like with the work thing, I wouldn't mind if these threads were never brought up in the first place, if it just stuck strictly to being a rom-com. And these other elements, the more serious side of things, because don't get me wrong, like, Morioka gets very emotional and very upset in a late past episode. A, a very heartbreaking moment, actually. But we have no context for why she feels this way. Now, I ultimately... I do absolutely get that people may not necessarily want to share this context with others. Indeed, given how anxious she is with Sakurai, it's not something I would argue 
unless she was utterly pushed to the edge that she would just break down and like, you know, bring out. I mean, I've been guilty of that. I've been pushed very, very hard. And that's only when I actually talked about the stuff that pushed me to that point in the first place, ironically enough. But the difference between that and this is this is a narrative. And we could be informed about these moments and these things that are built up to the way she is through means other than just her simply confessing it outright. I mean, the intro, for example, has that bit of her slumping to the ground um, after she comes back. For it. She's in a work outfit, but she collapses against the wall in a, in a heap. And so that's one very tiny piece of the puzzle, but the like the 900 other pieces of this are missing. So I think the show's made a bit of an error in that it brings up these threads and then just shrugs its shoulders. You want to you wanna talk about an e- even bigger butt, though? Hit me. They're remastering Dragon's Crown for the PS4. What? Why? <laughs> it's... It's... Uh... What? Okay, sorry. That's a very late... I missed no, the no, timing you, you, window no, no. on that one. No, you... I have, no. I have, that's a dropped combo and a half. No, I think late button press of no, I, no, I think that was a perfect. I think that was a perfectly nice counterpoint to bring some levity back to me. Basically, going in on this show, I guess. To the only thing I'll say to that is like, you're not wrong. I don't think in what you're saying. Um, I think, and I'll probably like return to this point uh, in a, the next episode. Mm-hmm. I think the show would have been probably a lesser show if they didn't didn't give us these kind of portals into the souls of these characters. Mm. But they don't make it too specific. Mm. Because I, I think the point part of the point of the story, in addition to making a fun rom com, is to allow people to like see themselves and identify with uh, yeah. both of these characters. Yeah, that's right. And, and like, you know, perhaps if you got too specific or spent too much time on the backstory, you would, um, you would lose some of that and you would take time away from, uh, from making the characters, I guess, attractive and identifiable and, mm. and enticing people to, go all in on on them as a couple and everything and i don't know that's in the end it has it's i'm we're spoiling things so bad but it's it has seemed like uh that it's more interested in in creating a kind of space in media for you to do that to to for the viewer to get some um some warmth some relief some good Mm. feeling for for uh from identifying with these characters and seeing themselves uh reflected somewhat murkily i suppose um and filling in the gaps you know because they're not too specific rather than like creating these like super real characters and and maybe that would have like felt at odds too with all the various coincidences that we've seen crop up the concrete and fleshed out real characters having kind of fairy tale life perhaps that would have felt at odds but the thing is that we already do um this wall is hyper real it's brutal it's it's like self-demolition and 
but it's but it's just like a it's just kind of a a glimmer glimmer is not the right word but it's just it's just a glimpse yeah it's not too it's it's not even it's a concept map more so than a like very specific portrait of a person and their lived experience it's a concept map that you can you can look at and understand and identify with okay I get, I get that. And this is not a just. I'm not justifying it and saying, like, that it's good. Um, I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm not saying it's necessarily better than the thing that you and I were expecting. I guess I'm just trying to come to grips with like what the show is trying to do. Mm. Well, for me, like, I think that if you were, if I think part of your concern there might possibly be one of tone, because you know you did say it was like a warm blanket and. Perhaps, yeah. and there is a very true concern there, I would argue, about things getting too serious. I mean, there's been that complaint many times about many other shows that weren't, certainly weren't about this subject matter. You know, we're having a, like, a nice goofy romp, and next thing you know, oh, Jesus, it's it's got too real. I mean, I imagine people could probably make that complaint about Landry. Michelle Thor- got killed. No, I yeah, you, no, 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 that's true. That, Shit. No, that's... Shit. <laughs> Oh dear, no. But like, I, I, to be use a more content, like more recent example, uh, Land of the Lustrous. Like, you've got Foss being a complete fucking dark one minute, and then horrible, horrible things happening the next. But the thing is, like, tonal changes are not in themselves bad. If you handle them well, you can actually make your work better. And I think that MMO Junkie does switch its tone from wacky silliness to. You know, some some bits oh, well. I so uh, this is a big soapbox of mine. I'm sorry to cut you off. No. I just so agree. Like, I may be repeating myself. You know, it's been two years now. I'm I'm pr- I'm probably in reruns with these things, these anime ideas that I have. But god damn it, so many people through the years I've seen criticize tonal shifts as you know these absolute bad things right like oh no it is a tonal shift it was comedy and now it is serious taking that risk of changing the tone up is, is and swinging for the fence is the ambitious thing to do yes you're you're going for the top prize and of course it's hard to pull off because it's it's it, it just is a more difficult feat but in far more satisfying when it is done correctly i mean the beautiful thing about comedy is it leaves your gut open to be punched and the sort of drama stuff will hit that much harder and and be more resonant and poignant if your guard's not up if you if you've been disarmed by the sweetness or the or the comedy so so yes i am a big fan of the tonal shift as a as a narrative device and this is exactly exactly what i was hoping the mmo junkie would do and i'd argue it already does it can and does shift its tone from being silly hijinks with marioka's fucking limp roller to her (laughs) being more somber and like being getting an insight into her mind and the fact that she's got very low self-esteem and then we come back to the comedy and then we go back to that again this show handles its tone well and you yourself made it absolutely crystal the top prize this show in my opinion could have had that 
if mm. it if it had gone into those details that I hoped it would have done, such as the wall, the work issues, but it doesn't. And because it kind of... There's a phrase that I read once in a review, and it's a phrase I'm really fond of. I think the show is what we'll call... I mean, this is merely getting ahead of next episode, because there's still a lot I want to talk about when it comes to that. But I would argue the show is what I would call, an, or rather what I stole, because I've literally ripped this from someone else, <laughs> is what you would call an incomplete success. Mm. I think that's the way I would describe it. I mean, don't get me wrong for a second, folks. I might be ragging on this, but I still really, really like this show. It is yeah. the warm comfort blanket the doc said. The comedy is absolutely pitch perfect. You absolutely do sympathize with the characters. And I have to say, I mean, I admittedly am a white cis 30-year-old guy. So I have a semi-small, tiny little bit of overlap age-wise with Morioka's position. But I am actually really happy to see a character who's A, not in a fantasy or sci-fi setting, who's just in a real-world setting, who is of that age group and of that gender, as the main protagonist. It's refreshing and welcome to see, I think. And maybe, and I have to admit as well, like, even if there isn't any explanation, you know, of why she is this way, the, the fact the show acknowledges that people have these feelings and that they exist in the first place, I think is really, really welcome. Yay for Jose comic books. <laughs> I mean, Comics for older ladies. And by older, I just mean adult. That There's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, it's like it's like when you give advice or when someone's in a really dark spot in their life. Even if you can't yourself offer any advice on it, if you can at least listen to them, that could itself be a great comfort. And I think that that applies in a roundabout kind of way to this. It doesn't have anything to say about Morioka's past that caused her to become this way, to make this patchwork quilt of, like, you know, anxiety and low self-esteem and and all that other, all those other issues. But the fact that it acknowledges as, and places her as the main protagonist and acknowledges her that she has these issues and these issues are things that people may see. I mean, I've seen women on, on Twitter comment that this is them. She is them. So I think that even the fact that it's just acknowledging that, that is a thing that exists is certainly a, a, a an absolute, you know, point in the show's favor, I would say. And I think that academic, I think maybe perhaps my arguments are maybe being too academic about it. But as you said, though, the top prize was there, and this show could have absolutely grabbed it. I would not hesitate to say that if if Embo Junk had, this is me speaking personally, by the way, don't take this statement as, you know, a de facto statement of all or nothing here. But for me personally, if Embo Junkie had gone for that top prize in season, it would have been animated the year for me without a hesitation. Mm. It would have blown someone's wish out of the war. But it doesn't, so... After this, this, after the wall and all the other stuff that happens, um, Maroka's tummy goes off again. And <laughs> this, believe it or not, her tummy is actually going to be something of a plot point for the next episode or something that I think is relevant to what we've discussed here about identity and you know, self-image. Uh, so Sakurai offers to go get her some food and they go to the same supermarket that we've seen in the previous episodes. Um, now then, Sakurai is, of course, looking around for food and the store owner, the lady, uh, what was his name? Fujimoto's manager. I don't remember her specific name, but... Uh, oh, yeah, I don't know. His manager spots them both. She knows them both, so comes over and says mm. hi, and then she drops the comment. 
The fucking comment. The G word. The, 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 the comment that I would argue you probably shouldn't make unless you know some uh, specifically two people rather well. And certainly not from behind the desk of a fucking 7-Eleven. And that comment is... Is he your girlfriend? And the music, like... I thought this bit was scored by John fucking Carpenter. It sounded like horror music. Uh, it really yeah. did. Because that's what Morioka specifically feels at this point. Horror. Because, once again, she feels she's not worthy to be even be with Sakurai in any form, short of, you know, behind a computer screen. So, she freaks out. She leaves. Sakurai runs after her. There's a brief intermission where Fujimoto appears and, like, he's trying to put the bits together, but it's, it doesn't matter in the long run. It's an irrelevance. So, well, yeah, you didn't, uh, you didn't pick that route, this playthrough. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Um, so, Maroka ends up on a street corner and Sakurai comes over and... Marioka starts laying into herself, saying like, "People wouldn't want you to be seen, like, wouldn't want you to be seen with me. I'd be, I'd be weird. It'd be strange. Like, I would be right for you, but, 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 the, you know, the usual." And Sakurai, like, the, there's another nice bit of imagery here where like all the background turns dark, and that's as Sakurai's like yelling at her, trying to interrupt as she's going off on this, and yeah, it's just that little bubble she's finding herself in that I think a lot of people will have. I mean, I... the way that they depicted. Kind of how she experienced the moment with the lady saying, "Is she your girlfriend?" was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean that was that was up there with anime. I think like Suritama and Kids on the Slope in terms of visually communicating uh, anxiety. Hmm. Like because you know Morioka, of course, wasn't making eye contact with the lady, like. A question that was asked, oh, is this your girlfriend? Like, asked in that way by, yeah, you know, very, very innocuously, if a little tactlessly, by the manager, was received by Morioka as, like, just entirely, is that your girlfriend? <laughs> Please. Like, so condescending and insulting <laughs> exactly. and all of this, like... It was brilliantly conveyed, I think. The way that that scene is animated, um, when we first see the manager, and she makes that comment about Maroka being Sakurai's girlfriend, it's plain. It's very plain, apart from like her, like you know, just looking her up and down like a very silly way. But there's nothing malicious about it, as far as the animation goes. But then in Maroka's head, this woman is looming, huge, and on top of that is cackling to herself as she says it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I've had, I mean, over minor stuff, I've had instances of anxiety where I've taken something that's been said and then I've like gone, oh, fuck, I'm in the shit, aren't I? I fucked up somewhere. Fucked up. I, 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 you get the idea. So I thought, again, that was very well portrayed. Um, but Sakurai, yeah. Uh, Sakurai does manage to interrupt, though, after she's, while she's still beating herself down, he says... Can I just say, this whole thing makes me, like, wonder, like, if one of the core messages of this show is not that, like, humanity is, like, leads a fraught existence because communication is so fucked up and difficult. Mm -hmm. Especially sensitive people are going to have 
an incredibly hard time because it's so difficult to talk to each other and understand each other because getting out of our own way and processing things with our own brains and filters. There's an American philosopher from the mid-20th century called V.W. O'Quine who has a famous thesis about the indeterminacy of translation Mm. And, and just that it's that just that communication i mean if you want to be very bleak about it i think that you can because it's i don't know if it's to what extent genuine communication is possible um but i think the salvage like the show is not necessarily trying to say something so dark Mm. like I, i think it's its message is to keep to keep trying and an approximation of translation and a kind of sort of fluency that you reach with human communication is is a good thing and, and enough to lead a good life and that and that technology can help smooth the runway for some uh-huh. people because you know the, the MMO aspect of this whole thing and making making it easier mm. uh, for people that have that have trouble so so I don't think the show is trying <laughs> as as much as I joked earlier I don't think the show is trying to say Ah, existence. It is the terrible and horrible thing that we are doomed a burden that we're that we're cast. I don't I don't think it's quite going there. But but I can't help sometimes but see that in here when they when these poor kids have these struggles. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely agree. The, the, I think there is another message that the show has, but again I'm gonna save that for next time because there's a particular moment in which it becomes more most relevant and most apparent. But after after this, Sakurai interrupts her. And says to, in what I would say, or what I would say is, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't feel that way about you at all. I don't think of you in those terms. Like, as you know, as someone who's worthless or anything like that. And, good God, this broke my fucking heart. Because Marioka just looks back at him and all she can do is just have tears well up in her eyes. And yet, this was the moment I thought that we'd finally have, like, either... Some sort of humanity, or some sort of like. Well, I'm not saying some sort. Of, there was humanity. God, that's not what I'm saying at all. But um, <laughs> I mean, I was firstly expecting him just to give her a big fucking hug, but that, that he yeah. did. He didn't. He just kind of like didn't know what to do. But that's Sakurai, to be honest. So that's consistent with his know, character. I know. But why? What, what? This fucking I show. I would need something physical, something carnal. <laughs> but it's like so. It's such a. It's such a comedy first, you know? Yeah. And yet, like, I thought this was also the moment in which um, Maroka, like, much as people get pushed so far, like, sometimes they finally snap and they let loose on how they feel and what's happened to them. I thought that this would have been the moment that happened, and it just didn't, sadly. So I'm not I'm not hating on the moment. It was very effective. Like, I, fe- I felt for her. Mm-hmm. She just, like, even when he's talking to her, she doesn't mm-hmm. look at him. She doesn't move her head. She just kind of looks slightly down at the ground, and then it starts raining. He puts a coat over. She, yeah, she, she's frozen. She's lost yeah. in, in her own, in her own head. She's short circuited. She sprung her own bear trap, essentially the bear trap in her head, or had it sprung for her by, yeah, you know, by that, yeah. She's, she's definitely like triggered, like the deepest, darkest, like parts of her. Of her anxiety and low self worth, because I mean, like you said, imagine 
you know, a person like Morioka having, like, taking the courage to go out in public with Sakurai mm-hmm. and ha- having the manager ask the question to her just reinforces all the ways in, in Morioka's mind that she's not, she's not worthy of, of being with him. Like, that disparity is so great. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, that sends her spiraling in it. Like you said, I just feel so deeply for her in that moment. It, it, man, it just, it hurts because, because the show makes them so, makes, makes these characters so identifiable for yeah. people that, that have these feelings. And likable. Like, there's mm-hmm. not a bad bone in either of them, except, like, the only horrible things that either Sakurai or Morioka do are to themselves. That's, and that's fucking gutting, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck me. All right, okay, okay. Um, so to wrap up, we end where we began. Morioka is invited back to Sakurai's place to get out of the wraith, and presumably because she got soaked to the bone, that's when she ends up taking the shower, and that's pretty much where the episode ends at that point. It's funny, like, because you, you said you didn't have much to say about this particular episode, and I think that I think that there is there is stuff to be said. Yeah. But I think I think at this point, if nothing else, I think that this show has revealed itself to be something that's gonna very very much has the stamp of your mileage may vary on it for a mm. number of different reasons. Like the for me, the wall, as I call it, was a contentious issue narratively. But a lot of people still identify and I have no issue with them doing this. Jesus Christ, don't mistake me on that. Like, if, if you take solace in the fact that, you know, that this show acknowledges that this is the way people are, that is fantastic. And certainly I feel that way too. But I found it contentious because it didn't, you know, provide... It, it posed questions without providing answers. And yet, a lot of people hold up as a moment that they could identify with. And that's good. So, this, as we come into the closing moments, Fermo, because there is indeed only one main episode left, I mean... As we mentioned, I don't think episode 11 is going to be anything more than side stuff that will be fun if not particularly relevant. I mean, episode 10 does end fairly conclusively. But as we come to the closing moments, I think that the fears that I had at the start uh, have not been allayed as to how it's played out. But don't get me wrong, from much and much of this show, I've been at the edge of my seat and simply screaming, Just fuck already! <laughs> I've wanted these two, these two dogs. And speaking as one dog's other dogs, I want her to, I want her and Sakurai to succeed. Yes. So irrespective of whether I was dissatisfied with the other stuff orbiting that, I still think that, you know, watching, like, this episode had a lot of great things to recommend about it. The visuals, the stuff they brought up with Marioka, even as limited as it was, relatively speaking. Um... Fucking Kowai. <laughs> what a fucking guy, Jesus. So, I'm going to, in the end, rate it uh, as, how shall we say, mm, I'm going to rate it as uh, four out of five cold ones in the shower. Okay, okay. Very good. Um, yeah, my thoughts on this were, like, it, w- it was really interesting discussing with you some of the ins and outs of the episode you brought up some stuff i hadn't i hadn't thought too much about and when i was watching it i was worried that i was just going to end up repeating myself you know in this episode and so i didn't want it to be super 
super long. I don't I don't want to blah 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 blah. I don't want to repeat myself. But um but talking about it with you has made me think, well, maybe there's more going on uh than than I first experienced. And I suppose this is a common thing with penultimate episodes that are pinning everything on the last episode because you just want to get to the finish line and see that everything is okay. Um, I think overall, given uh, a couple of the directorial flourishes and, um, and touches in this episode, I will give it the score of... 3.5 self-effacing insults out of 5. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that, that's the, you know when you when you have that as your metric it should really be lower. <laughs> like you want zero insults out of 5. That's true. That's true. Like okay, well let's change it to 3.5 warm bath towels out of 5. Yes. <laughs> oh, warm bath towel is the best fucking thing ever. <laughs> well, oh, it's, it's true. It's true. Okay, so that wraps up episode nine of Stream of Thought on episode nine of MMO Junkie. Uh, next time, we have the finale, which includes, and I'm going to talk about it now because it's amazing, it includes the one and only time I have ever seen a couple cocks blocked by a dryer. And it's fucking spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing that happened. That was a thing that happened. Yeah, that's right. Next time you're doing your laundry... And, you know, your partner comes in, they're like, you know, want a bit of intimacy. Beware, it will get in the way. It will fuck you over. Fucking futuristic <laughs> nonsense. I know, right? I'm blaming the cloud for this one. I'm totally blaming the fucking cloud for what happens in episode 10. But anyway, uh, stick around, folks. We will be back fairly soon for the finale of episode 10 of MMO Junkie. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, before we go, by the way, in case you want to catch up with us elsewhere, uh, I am on Twitter at Shaden1010. Uh, you can also send me questions of a probing or non-probing nature to curiouscat.me forward slash Shaden. What about yourself, Doc? I'm at the Subtle Doctor on uh, Twitter. And if you want to curious cat me to ask long questions or get long answers, curiouscat.me slash the Subtle Doctor. Yeah, hell yes. So everyone, uh, thank you very much. Have a very pleasant evening. And until next time, embrace each other, everyone, until the ends of the universe. Alexa, don't fucking cock block me right now. Keep that shit quiet. <laughs> <laughs>